0: Context matters. Say that you're watching a movie and you hear someone say, I love you. I promise I will be devoted to you forever and ever. I love you so much. Context matters. If that's a a husband saying it to his wife in the movie, it's beautiful, right? But if it's a husband saying it to someone who's not his wife, who he's sleeping with instead of his wife, it is not beautiful. It is ugly and it is the worst. Or say that you hear the words, you're free to go. Well, if you're a kid in school and it's Friday afternoon and your teacher says that, best words in the world. Or if you're on trial for a crime you didn't commit and you've finally been exonerated and the judge says, you're free to go, that's the best. But if you're sitting in the courtroom watching someone else be on trial and that person you know, like they're guilty and they assaulted a friend of yours and then the judge says, you're free to go. Not, not good. Doesn't make you happy. That's the worst. Context matters. And it matters in the Bible, too. Some of the, some of the words in the Bible that Christians typically think of as beautiful and lovely and comforting, um, in their original context, the people who heard them thought anything but that. Like, take Isaiah's amazing Christmas promise. In Isaiah chapter 7, he said, The Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. To people who are Christians, it's beautiful. But originally, Isaiah was speaking those words to a wicked king named Ahaz. And the sign, I will give you a sign, this was a sign, this was proof that Ahaz's kingdom was going to fall, that he was going to be dethroned, that all of his people were going to be carried off into exile by the Assyrian Empire. Ahaz was not happy or joyful to hear those words. Or take Luke chapter 15, which frankly is my favorite part of the Bible. It's where you find the parable of the prodigal son. And there's other names for it. But whatever you know the name by, the story that Jesus tells, I find it incredibly full of grace and it's comforting. God's love even for for people who have rejected him in the past. An amazing story. But Jesus didn't tell that story to give comfort to the people who were hearing it because he told it to Pharisees. He told it to people who were rejecting him and he told it as a story of warning and condemnation. And they did not like it when they heard it. And it's also the same with John chapter 10. Jesus, we're going to hear him say in a minute, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And that's incredible. That's so good. You don't have to wonder if you're, if you're good with God or if you did enough. No, it's simply that Jesus took away your sins. It's so comforting. But to the people that Jesus was talking to, again, he was talking to Pharisees. And he said this not in order to comfort them, but as a loving warning and actually condemnation to them because they were far from him. At the end of John chapter 9, which we talked through last week, The Pharisees asked Jesus, Are we blind? And Jesus basically said, "Uh, Yeah, you are. You are blind because you think, you Pharisees, you think that you see everything clearly, everything clearly in life and in the world without me. And you can't see anything clearly. In fact, you're blind if you don't see me as the Lord and Savior of all people. So the Pharisees, yes, you are blind. And now he continues and he's still talking to the Pharisees in John chapter 10. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, Very truly I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, from the stranger, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Uh, Jesus used this as a figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full." This is God's word. Now at the heart of it, Jesus was just saying something very simple. He was saying, hey, you Pharisees, you think you're shepherds, but you're not. You're actually thieves and robbers. You think you're leading people to God, but you're not. You're actually leading people away from God. Because a shepherd goes and finds the sheep and goes to the sheep. They go through the gate. A shepherd goes through the gate. I am the gate. And you're not going to the people of Israel through me. Shepherds don't jump the fence into the sheep pen. The only people who jump the fence are thieves and robbers. And if you're not going to the people through me, you're jumping the fence. So Pharisees, you're thieves and robbers. You're not shepherds. Now, they didn't, they didn't quite get that. And so Jesus said it even more simply. He said, I am the gate. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. The Pharisees thought they were shepherds, but they weren't. Jesus knew they were thieves and robbers and evil. Now you heard Jesus say, I am the gate. And he actually did that seven different times in in the book of John, where Jesus said, I am the something, fill in the blank. He said things like, I am the bread of life, or in Two weeks from now, we're going to hear him say, I am the resurrection and the life. A few weeks after that, we're going to hear him say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And every time that Jesus said one of these, I am the -the fill-in-the-blank things, he was, you could say he was preaching a little mini-sermon on the the exclusiveness, the exclusivity of his message. The exclusivity of him and of the gospel. Because every time Jesus was saying, I am thee, he was also saying, no one else is. He was preaching and he, he reminds us here in John 10 that Christianity and Jesus' message, it is the most exclusive religion in all the world. But it's also, at the same time, the most inclusive. Because when Jesus says, I am the gate, he is the gate for everybody. Jesus came to take away the sins of every woman, man and child who has ever lived. Every single one. There's not a single person who lives now or who has ever lived in history that Jesus didn't come to take away their sins. It's for every single person. Christianity is the most inclusive religion in all the world. There's no standard you have to meet in order for Jesus to then then take away your sins. No. The Bible says that on the cross, Jesus paid for the sins of every single person who has ever lived. It's the most inclusive. At the same time, though, it's the most exclusive. Because Jesus says the only way anyone receives any benefit from that is through me. He says, I am the gate. Not a gate, I am the gate. The world, and, and we all love to hear about the inclusive nature, the including nature of Jesus and his message, but, but the world hates, and there's a part of us that hates hearing about the exclusive part. But Jesus, Jesus never said, he never said things like, you know, be yourself. Be true to who you are. You do you, that's good. He never said anything like that. He never said, well, you know, you can believe, you can believe whatever you want. You know, take what I say or leave it. And you know, human beings, they can never really figure out what the true religion really is. He never said any of that. He said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And again, that is so, so, so good. You never have to wonder. Because Jesus is, the o- Jesus is the only one who died with our sins on him. He's the only one who rose from the dead to prove that when he died, he buried all your sins. And Jesus, he, uh, he tells us what our life should look like as people who are living, as if you're a Christian, as followers of the most inclusive and exclusive Religion in the entire world. What does life look like? He said it. He said, His sheep follow Him because they know His voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from Him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So, as Jesus' sheep, your responsibility, your job, and mine too, is to listen to Jesus' voice and run away from every other voice that speaks to you. And that is simple. But it is also incredibly difficult. Because there is a little Pharisee inside of me and inside of every single one of us. And remember what a Pharisee is? It's someone who thinks they see the world clearly without Jesus being their Lord and Savior. And there's a little Pharisee inside of us that's never going to leave us this side of heaven a little Pharisee that cries out and says to us, hey, it's 2021. Like, this isn't the year 20. Things have changed in the last 2,000 years. We've done a lot of advancing as a society and as a world, as a universe. Like, that stuff that Jesus said, like, it was good back then, but nowadays, the world's a-changing. We've got to change with it. The little voice it's going to say all kinds of those things to you. And the voice, the voices, they're going to sound beautiful. They're not going to just going to come straight at you and say, hey, Jesus is bad. Uh, you should go away from him. They're not going to say that. Um, the voice, the voice might be, uh, the voice might be the voice of family or friends who, who calls you to um, gossip and, and rumors. But they'll never say the word gossip or rumors because that would be too obvious. Like, the voice will call out to you and they'll say, you need to be well informed. You need to know the things that are going on among the people at your church and the people in your neighborhood and the people in your family and friends. But what that means, at least what it can mean, just means gossip and and speaking badly about people. And um, I am not here to rag on all the different types of media in our country, but that can be what that is too. All of it, social media, regular media. Is there regular media? All the media, every, all the voices, like under the guise of being well-informed, so much of it is just trying to get you to think badly about a person or a group of people and that, that goes for everybody. But it calls out and says, you need to know about this. You need to think about this all the time and what those people did and what these people are doing and this is good and that's bad. But the voice that says, this means you're well informed, it's a beautiful voice. Or it might be, it might be the voice of comfort. The voice that says, the point of your life is to do everything you can in order to make sure your life is comfortable. Always be thinking about that. But comfort and being comfortable can just be a nice way for saying self-centered. This voice comes and says, yes, be generous. Give your time and energy and money to other people. Give it away. But just be careful. Don't give too much of it away. Make sure you save enough so that you can still be generous later. And make sure you keep enough back because You've got to take care of yourself. What's the voice for you? There's so many, so many different voices out there. And they sound beautiful. Um, And these voices, they, they remind me of what some people call the most, the best piece of fiction literature ever written. Hundreds of years before Jesus came to this world, Um, It was written by a blind poet named Homer. It was two stories, actually, the Iliad and the Odyssey. And the Iliad, that's where the Trojan horse story comes from. And the Odyssey is a character named Odysseus. It's, It's his travels home. And it takes him 20 years to get home, sailing across the Mediterranean. And along the way, he has to sail past what are known as sirens. And what's a siren? Today, a siren is a noise that you can't not hear. A noise that you can't not pay attention to. And it's usually annoying. Um, like, that's why fire engines and police cars have that noise. Because they, they say, you gotta listen to this. You have to pay attention. We're coming through. We're doing something important. But in the story, the sirens, they were a noise that you, you had to pay attention to. But the sirens in ancient mythology It was creatures that had the voices of beautiful, beautiful female voices. And you couldn't, it was so beautiful, the singing, you had to pay attention. And sailors, when they would go by this island, they would just take their boats close because they thought, wow, that is incredible. I want to hear more of that. I want to hear it more clearly. I want to hear it better. But then when they'd get close, they'd find out too late that it was all a trap. And their boats would sink and they would all drown and die. The sirens sounded beautiful. But it was just a trap. It was like the Pharisees. What the Pharisees said, it sounded beautiful. But Jesus said they were just thieves and robbers leading people to spiritual death. And there are so many voices, so many voices that speak to me and that speak to you. Um, Some of you know, maybe all of you know, Friday night, I went to a store in Old Town Rock Hill called The Mercantile. Um, for what they call the social experiment. And uh, I, I wouldn't have time to tell you all. I would be here for hours, and none of us want that. But their goal was to take people who believe very different things and bring them together and have conversation and show that even though there's so many things that divide us in this country and in the world, we can all be together and have conversation and, and get to know one another. And it was definitely a success um, in that regard. I would... I would guess that uh, unless there was another event like this going on, it was me and seven other people, there was not a group of eight people uh, anywhere in the Charlotte metro area, maybe anywhere in the country, eight people having a meal together and talking who had more different beliefs in all the ways. So many differences. Like I don't, I don't think it existed anywhere else. And uh, one of my biggest takeaways was there are so many voices. So many voices calling to all the people I was with on Friday night, saying, this is the way. This is the truth that you need to hear. This is the way of life. This is the the things that you should do. This is what is going to give you happiness and fulfill you. But the voices don't just speak... To them, the same exact voices speak to me and to you. And what Jesus is telling us in John chapter 10 is stop listening. He's saying stop listening to all those voices. Do something crazy. I don't know. How, how can you help yourself stop listening? Um, Maybe it means take all the social media apps off your phone and then change your password um, and then log out so that you have to go on your browser and actually t- type in your password before you get access to all those voices. I don't know. You don't have to, but you could. Maybe it means unsubscribe from four podcasts or four YouTube channels that you listen to because they're, they're fine, but they're just not the voices that you need to hear. Maybe it means uh, cut your cable. I don't know. What could you do? To help yourself, not listen to all those voices. And instead, listen to the one voice that matters above all of them. Jesus says, Stop listening to them and listen to your shepherd. The one who says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I'll be honest, uh, after like the five hours of that experiment on Friday night, I stayed late and talked more. Big surprise. But after those five hours and all of yesterday, there was a part of me just throwing up my hands, saying, what's the use? There's so many voices. So many voices to overcome in those, that are speaking to those seven people. So many voices speaking to me. So many voices speaking to you. And it's so easy to listen to them. Like, what's, what are we doing here? Why, why are we here? Why do we even have a church? Like, I'll be honest, like, it got me down. And then God's word spoke to me and reminded me of Jesus' voice. And Jesus has the voice who will never stop calling out to you. He is the gate that will never shut the door on you. And Jesus' voice, those other voices in the world are so powerful, but Jesus' voice is more powerful. And every single person who believes in him as the gate is living proof of that. Because Jesus' voice has overcome all the other voices in me and in you and in everyone else who is a Christian. And Jesus' voice can overcome all the voices in all the people. Whoever you're thinking of that that you think, wow, they're a lost cause. You know, I wish wish they would believe in Jesus, but I just don't think they ever will. Or I wish they would come here to illumine, but man, they never are. That might be true. But it's not definitely true. Because what's definitely the truth is that Jesus' voice is more powerful than every other voice put together. And his is the voice that says, I have come, not as a thief or a robber, not to lure them into a trap that leads to death. I have come to give them life, that they may have life and have it to the full. What does that mean? Well, it really doesn't mean anything specific about this life because uh, this world is always going to be in our lives. It's always going to be messed up by sin. You're never going to have a full life in all the ways that you want here. But no matter what this life looks like, say you're here for 70 years, you're going to be an eternal life for 70 million, billion, gazillion years for infinity with a life that is full in all the best ways. And Jesus promises that that full life of eternity, it has an impact on you right now. That no matter what life looks like, how empty it might feel, you live every day in the fullness of having the peace of knowing that there's a voice that says, I love you and I was willing to be your shepherd and am willing to be your shepherd always. I gave up my life, not just risked it. And Jesus says that in him, you lack nothing. In a minute, we're going to speak the words of Psalm 23 together as our proclamation of faith. And there's a few different translations of the first verse. The one we're going to speak, it's going to be up on the screen. It's actually different from in your worship folder. But it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. It might not feel like that, but it's the truth. Because that's what Jesus' voice says. And if the Lord is your shepherd, you really do lack nothing. And that is what a full life, having life and having it abundantly, that's what it is. Simply having Jesus as your shepherd. Listen to his voice. Amen.